Welcome to Ag Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, Canadian Poultry, Drainage Contractor, and The Trough Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Bayer believes in recognizing and promoting women across every facet of Canadian agriculture. Whether it's supporting the next generation of female farmers or lending space on our website to help female-led businesses build their brands and products, Bayer believes in continuing to farm for change and for a better future with women in agriculture. And of course, Bayer is very proud to support influential women in Canadian agriculture. Hi there, and welcome to the second episode of our IWCA podcast series. My name is Bree Rohde, and I am the editor of Manure Manager, Drainage Contractor, and The Trough Magazines, and I'm the host of today's episode. For this edition of the series, I had the privilege of interviewing Heather Wilson, research scientist and program leader at the Vaccine Formulation and Delivery Group at the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization, or VDO. She's also an adjunct professor at the University of Saskatchewan in the Department of Veterinary Microbiology and the School of Public Health. Nominated by Erin Gilchrist, Dr. Wilson's nomination package focused on the reputation she's been able to establish for her Lapid Veto and the innovations she and her team have achieved together. She's also helping guide others into the field and is described as a dedicated supervisor and mentor having previously mentored or currently mentoring four postdoctoral fellows, four master students, eight PhD students, three technicians, four project students, and a half dozen summer students. Heather and I spoke about the importance of the work she does, about finding your strengths in your field, making your voice heard, and displaying leadership. I really hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. So, um, could you tell me a little bit about um, your background and uh, starting with your education, what led you to this very specific uh, focus and career path? Uh, my education, I was got all my uh, post uh, high school education at the University of Saskatchewan. So I did my um, undergrad in biochemistry, which I found very interesting. Uh, and then gene expression changes uh, were, became very popular right when I was finished. Uh, and they were look, people were looking at gene expression changes uh, after vaccination. So then I moved over to do my postdoctoral work at the vaccine. Well, it was called back then, it was called the Veterinary Infectious Disease Organization, and now it's called Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization, so VITO. Uh, it's on the same campus, uh, but that's a switch from biochemistry to immunology. And I actually started doing some work um, looking at the between the, the neonate and the mom. And I was originally working in cattle, but they're um, a bit selfish in that they only have one um, offspring. So mm -hmm. I started looking at the pigs because they'll have, you know, 14 to 20 uh, piglets. So then there's lots of room to um, do some different groups while keeping the, the genetics uh, very similar. And from there, it just kind of moved on to learning more about the pig industry and the, the different, the nuances there. Um, I didn't grow up with cattle. I grew up with um, horses. My dad um, has quarter horses, so uh, I didn't really know too much about uh, farming that much. And then I married a farmer and he's uh, got um, mixed uh, grain and uh, black Angus cattle. 
But anyway, um, so I started off with the cattle and moved into the pig and just learning more and more about the industry, you start to understand that there's different nuances and different husbandry practices that if you really pay attention, you can um, it's a, you can adapt what we're doing in for vaccine development so that it's amenable to the current husbandry practices. Mm -hmm. And that's where we got into looking at administering the vaccine during the time of breeding into the uterus uh, to see if, you know, you've already rounded up the pigs. Uh, there's It's something that's happening all the time um, at irregular intervals. And the intervals actually happen to be very nice intervals for vaccines. So uh, as long as we can uh, assure the, the pig producers that we're not negatively affecting um, the sperm function or fertility, uh, which we're not. Um, we think it's uh, it's a very interesting route of immunization for the industry. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I'm I'm not a biochemist. Obviously, I'm a journalist. I don't have much background uh, when it comes to veterinary science or anything of the like. But I have to wonder, um, especially with more recent global concerns about things like African swine, fe swine fever virus, um, or I know you're not in poultry, but HPAI, um, do you feel like there's a bit more, um, I guess, urgency or even curiosity from outside your industry and imperative to be more innovative with vaccination strategies? Yes, I, I think so. But it's also the low hanging fruit has been grabbed, right? Like we've... Uh, We've tried what we've tried, and we're still making very good vaccines and still making uh, very good progress. But there's still vaccine, there's still diseases out there that we've been trying to tackle for a um, hundred years. So uh, it's better to maybe learn some of the basics, some of the basic um, biology of the viruses or the bacteria, and learn more and start layering on. It's not just um, I mean, just the proteins and the carbohydrates and try to understand instead of just making an, um, an vaccine against, we call it the antigen, which is a target, if it, which is usually a protein, the protein has also probably got sugar groups on it or um, different molecules, which are going to impact uh, how you target that antigen. So we're trying to learn more and trying to integrate all of that together for, for making the vaccines um but definitely like with pedv so porcine epidemic diarrhea virus um kind of swept through the country well in north america um a couple years ago it didn't make it into saskatchewan thankfully but Vito actually made a vaccine uh, for that and was supplying it to manitoba and i believe um alberta um and we managed to keep it out of saskatchewan and with lots of work by the pig industry to understand transport and spread and all that but yeah we recognized we had to make a very quick vaccine and and we managed so uh yeah if we can african swine fever is definitely coming uh hopefully we can keep it out but if it gets into the wild boar uh, populations right it's, it's going to be very very difficult to eradicate so then you get into okay if you can't actually handle the animals can we get a really effective vaccine and put it out into the wild so that it's um, it's a feed product that the boars can uh, wild boars can eat and get vaccinated so and then that becomes distribution and all of that so um, it's there's lots of things to think about when it comes to developing a vaccines.
That's so interesting. Um, I thank you very much for that. So now moving on to some of the things that were mentioned in your nomination package that I'm really curious about. Um, it, one of the things that was highlighted was just how many uh, how many students and postdoctoral fellows you are currently mentoring uh, or have mentored. It seems like it's a really big part of what you do. And I understand in, in academia, that's a really common thing. But um, over the years, um, as you've mentored, um, have you... Um, have you observed any shift in um, kind of the gender, if it's uh, increasingly a female-dominated field, if uh, if it tends to be split, and how that's changing over the years? Um, in Let me just think about that. Definitely, if you look at the classrooms, which, and I don't do any teaching, I, I, I do a little bit of teaching, but it's not part of the job. It's kind of, you can have an interest in it, so you can kind of do a little bit, but... <laughs> Uh, if you look at say at the veterinary fields, you can you can uh, at the classrooms like they've changed from basically male dominated to I think actually it's fairly female dominated now. Mm. Um, in the undergrad classes, which is what I would see, and so the grad classes, I don't know, it's still it's maybe more and more getting more and more female, uh, probably over fifty percent female now. Uh, but still fairly, fairly split. Once, once you get into um, the undergraduate level, then you start, sorry, um, graduate level, then you start seeing um, a lot more people coming from overseas, um, through everywhere, all over the world, um, looking for the opportunities to do their um, master's or PhD work, and certainly their um, postdoctoral fellowship, which is kind of like an apprenticeship, mm -hmm. uh, if you were a tradesperson not quite but it's it's the closest approximation but um yeah it's generally most people's labs are probably split fairly evenly male female uh with uh certainly um a very diverse uh workforce and where people are from and where their families have been from um yeah and it's it's increasingly becoming uh, more diverse and i think it's good you, you learn more about different farm, farming practices, uh, mm -hmm. different uh, pig producers, what, what they do in their country kind of thing. And, 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 and you, you learn, um, you learn from everybody. Mm -hmm. And what, what do you, uh, well, I was going to ask, what do you enjoy about, uh, about mentorship, but you kind of did answer that, but I'm also curious to know um, who some of your key mentors have been uh, throughout your career of, of any gender. Um, I had a very good, uh, uh, Dr. Bill Raisler was my uh, biochemistry uh, PhD mentor um, and then um, with some very good people in his lab as, as well. Um, and then he came over to Vito and actually Vito has been, it's, it's a very good environment over here with um, uh, kind of some core facilities and everybody can kind of work together. You can uh, get support from your, like hire your own people or, you can get some experts. Some some of the pieces of equipment are quite expensive and uh, quite technical. So you can ask for, okay, can I have a certain amount of time from this technician or um, learn from um, from people in other labs? It's it's been very good at, at Vito. Uh, Vito also actually has a very good animal care facility. So um, they tend to handle the animals. Uh, most universities you would have to do the lab work as well as the animal work um with with a little bit of um, husbandry help but uh, so 
Um, and, and that's been really, really good because it keeps the work very, very consistent. Mm -hmm. um, I try to encourage the students to still participate in the husbandry and, and definitely when it comes to the vaccine administration and uh, uh, tissue collection and that kind of thing at the end of a trial because uh, you learn from everybody and the, the veterinarians there and the veterinary staff have been very good uh, at, for teaching. Uh, and then and then there's actually a very good group at the Prairie Swine Center that um, that I've worked with. I've done a lot of my uh, work out there. Uh, they're um, just a couple, just a mile or so outside of Saskatoon. And they are uh, um, a research barn and they do a lot of their work with the nutrition. So, again, you learn learn from them that way. And they've been uh, nice enough to let me do some of the vaccine work uh, out there. And then, of course, if you get into anything a little bit more technically challenging or um, um, any any sort of disease model, then you bring the animals uh, to veto. But but I've learned from all of them. Um, um, Raylene Petrochik at uh, Prairie Swine's been very good. Mm -hmm. Colette Wheeler at the animal care facility at, at Vito. So yeah, there's been there's been lots of people that I've that I've learned from. Great. And another thing that was highlighted in your nomination package was um, just how many research grants you've been able to obtain for your work. And again, I know very little about the world of, uh, of research and having to obtain these grants. Um, but how much of a kind of grind has that been throughout your career and everything you guys have done at Vito? And uh, has it gotten, I guess, a little bit easier over the years? Um, it's interesting because you don't really learn how to write a grant when you're in university. Uh, some of the grad classes now are sort of do more vaccine, uh, well, sorry, vaccine, I should say, in grant uh, writing. And, you know, I guess they did a little bit, but boy, you sure don't know how to do it until you're in the middle of it. Uh, and then you get a couple grants back and you realize that you scored pretty low and then you start uh, getting copies of other people's grants and seeing their style and how they've learned uh, and you learn from them. The university has gotten much better that there's internal review processes for grants, which is something like um, University of Toronto and a few of the other universities have done for decades. We've just started uh, doing maybe about 10 or so years ago, which have really increased our uh, how how well the grants are written, how well they fit. Um, what's being asked and uh, it's really increased our success rate. Um, I don't know, writing, uh, some people are just really good at it and some people you just learn and I think I'm a bit more of the latter. I'm, I, I thought I was okay. <laughs> and then uh, I, you know, we'll never go back and read some of those old grants because it would be horrifying, I think, uh, just because you just keep getting better. And, um, but it, it, it is a grind. Uh, getting grants to keep the lab going. Uh, what happens is you say you get a grant um, and you maybe have about six to eight months before it actually comes into place. And then you've got that amount of time to get the people in place. So get grad students, get postdoctoral fellows. Uh, in the meantime, you've got a technician or other graduate students that you're trying to keep going. Um, but you might get a grant for three years, but a post or um, a PhD student is, is in your lab for five. So you're spending the second part of their term hoping that they've, you know, that together you worked hard enough and you got good enough results that you can start applying for the second phase of grant so that it pays for the research to continue. And that's 
all the time, uh, fairly constant. So it is, um, I've got friends who, who teach and um, they're just out in the, in the normal non-university world. And they're pretty surprised at how much effort it takes to constantly be going after the soft money. Mm-hmm. And now a quick word from one of our sponsors. They run errands and equipment. They bring parts and dinner. They drive the combine and the kids to school. They feed livestock. They fix skinned knees, broken fences. They do the books and lead the 4-H group. They simply make everything better. John Deere celebrates the strength and resilience of the women that make farms run. They make all the difference. We've got very few of our staff are most most of our staff are actually on soft money so it means that the research scientist is pulling in the grants to to pay the salaries Mm -hmm. um and veto's been very successful about getting um grants they've gone through pockets of getting these large group grants um you know fairly years ago and then with covid we've done this huge expansion um with um uh, level three work. So that's, you know, COVID, uh, SARS-CoV-2. Um, we're getting, um, we're moving into a, a level four facility. So we'll be doing some Ebola, some uh, Marburg, not me, uh, but like, I'm at the level two, which is the veterinary um, diseases. Mm-hmm. And they are not zoonotic, the ones that I study. So it means that they stay at level two if they're zoonotic, which means they can get passed to humans from the animals and mm-hmm. vice versa. Then that moves to level three. So that'll be like influenza and uh, a few of those things. So um, Vito's done very well to uh, get a good group of scientists and get good collaborations. And uh, yeah, but it, it's it's definitely a, definitely a grind to get enough money to keep the labs going. I imagine. Um, and uh, now I see that you've done a lot of public speaking uh, and you've been a fra- fairly sought after speaker, including recently in Brazil. Um, is public speaking and uh, kind of presenting your research in that very public uh, public stage, is that something that you have always had a knack for? Or is that something that you've had to learn and become more comfortable with along the way? Because I know it's a big thing for a lot of people. Oh, I remember being definitely very nervous the first uh, couple times doing it. Uh, you start to realize that, um, well, as a student, you're kind of scared you're going to get attacked because you kind of hear that that's what it's like sometimes. But I've tended to go to the veterinary vaccine, uh, infectious disease kind of uh, conferences uh, where it's a bit, it's it's quite friendly and uh, you're encouraged to get your, your trainees to, to talk. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's, you have to try to remember to try to find your audience. Uh, I find actually the, these kind of talks are more challenging for me because I'm trying to um, remember to bring it to a level where where you're interested but i'm and i'm not but i'm not losing you and i i i find that much much more difficult to be honest uh if you can actually just get into using the the more science words uh that's it's a little bit easier uh but then there's like the science the the immunology infectious disease kind of talks and then there's the producer talks and the veterinary science talks so you kind of have to learn your audience um but no, uh, as you go and you see them, you see more talks, you start to see 
I mean, how the presentations have changed over the years. Like, it, you know, I remember at university, you'd go up and there'd be, um, what do you call those things, the overheads, the slides that you would just sit there and start taking notes. And now it's all PowerPoint and then Preseria and all these things. And um, I'm noticing now that people, I mean, there's not even words on their on their slides anymore. It's, it's all images and uh, very, very powerful. So if you can find ways to incorporate imagery uh into your talks uh i think it's it's much more powerful than just you know putting up your up your words and saying see here this is the, what the data says if you show the data and then show why that's important in the same slide i think you can you can get a lot more interest uh from from your audience mm -hmm. um on, on that note what have been some of the other uh bigger challenges in your career particularly when it comes to you know realizing your strengths and weaknesses um sorry could you ask that again um, what, are you, what, have, what are you asking yeah what have been some of the more um uh some of the bigger challenges in your career particularly i'm talking like outside of the lab when it comes to understanding what your inherent strengths and weaknesses are I, I really envy the people who have excellent facial recognition and name remembering, like the networking for them must be so much easier. I, I actually struggle with that a lot. Uh, and so I recognize that I don't go out there and network as much as I should uh, because I find it uh, stressful and embarrassing because I have trouble remembering where I've seen that person before or their names. Uh, that's definitely a struggle for me. Uh, but I, you know, you try to put yourself out there and and uh, uh, try to meet people, try to uh, remember remember who they are uh, and keep it keep it all straight and remember the connections between people. Um, those are uh, the best ways, I think, to do your networking. That's definitely some something I still struggle uh, struggle at. Um, Meaning you go to every conference and there's poster sessions and there's people that go to every single poster and there's some people that are just just there to kind of visit and um, chat. Um, if you go there and you're kind of still hanging out with the same people you came with, you're probably not networking very well. Uh, so I try to do that. And especially when I've got trainees with me, it's an opportunity for me to introduce them to other people. And uh, that's pushing me more and more into the networking because I realize that's part of my job is to uh, introduce my students to everybody else and and hopefully have them set up their own networks and then eventually it'll benefit all of us. So that's uh, something I'm still working on. Mm -hmm. So on the other on the other hand, what do you think is your biggest uh, strength as a person that has allowed you and and Vito to flourish? Um, I think I'm friendly. I think people um, find it, I find that I'm pretty easy to talk to. And um, I don't, uh, you know, some people who talk about scientists, they kind of feel a little bit, the people are a bit stiff and a bit, uh, um, I hear people say that they were scared to talk to me when, but, you know, because they've heard I was a scientist. I live in a small town. And you're, I'm always very surprised uh, when I hear that. Um, and then people get to know me and, and it's pretty easy. So, um, I've, I think that's always been a, um, a very uh, good quality to have. It makes it uh, easier to kind of visit when people, that kind of networking I'm pretty good at. When people, you know, they're coming here to meet people, then obviously I know who they are and why they're here. And I, and I find that very easy to, to, to talk to people that way. Um, 
I would, yeah, I just, I think most of the, the trainees and grad students, technicians feel comfortable coming up and, and talking to me. Uh, and same with the scientists. It's just that everybody's busy, right? And you're, you try to set up these networking events, even within veto. So you, you, you know, beer nights kind of idea, um, lunches so that everybody can come. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's really important. Um, and there's again networking and and just talking together uh is really really important to help ideas to ferment and uh get some traction and the more people you talk to the the better i think your science will be so mm -hmm. so as we're coming up to the end of the interview one thing that has struck me over four years of doing this program is sometimes the women we interview um, being a woman uh, in their field plays a huge part. They are constantly kind of aware of their gender, whether they've been othered by it or felt it's a unique aspect. And in others, it kind of has been a non-factor for them. So how, um, you know, they don't think of themselves as a woman in agriculture. They just think of themselves as a scientist or a producer. So um, mm -hmm. how has it been for you? Have you felt like this big capital W woman in agriculture or no? Not really, not as a scientist, I wouldn't say. Uh, I've, I'm married to a farmer and I'm um, maybe more aware of it there. But mind you, that is his job and not mine. But I, I noticed that uh, there are times when the, the salesperson will, will uh, not even uh, I didn't do it, not even talk to me or engage in other times when they're very, very good and certainly have been getting better and better over the years. Um, this I just remember this one uh, guy, my husband's you know, you know knee deep into an engine of of something, looking at buying. Um, I think it was a combine at the time, and the guy, young guy, he looks at me and he goes, "So Heather, what do you think?" And I looked, I was a bit surprised, and I looked at him and I said, "I think it looks very, very nice." And then he looked at me and then he laughed because he realized that he's from what I communicated there is I don't know this <laughs> area. Um, I'm, I'm here to support my husband, but I don't know the field and, but I appreciated the fact that he uh, took the time to include me, which I thought was great. And, uh, and, and then it was, it was kind of just kind of fun after that. But, mm. um, I do appreciate that that would be very, very difficult to be othered, uh, constantly. Mm. Um, I don't feel that I've, uh, felt that really, um, I think it's still there. I think there's still uh, the quote unquote the um, the the boys club a, a little bit on on every level of uh, society. But I think with the more and more women in in every of uh, the all of the lower levels, and we keep going up and up and up, uh, and we're starting to see us more in the boardrooms and as the CEOs and the leads of the of your lab. So. Um, it's certainly still a barrier and, but I think, uh, we, we, everybody's learning. It's, it's, um, you wouldn't blink if you met somebody and she said that she was a farmer, it would, you wouldn't even blink anymore. Whereas, you know, it wasn't that long ago where you would. So, um, I think we're getting there, um, still got ways to go, uh, for sure, especially for our, um, colleagues that come from overseas or um uh, are non-white uh it's it's probably still a much more of a culture shock for them but again it's coming especially like in the pig industry you look it's um i mean there's a lot of workers from all over the world in all the barns so uh, again i think exposure and um and 
being the people that you chat with at work, it, it it's um, it all helps. Mm. So uh, my actual last question then for um, for young women who are moving into the research field, uh, animal husbandry, vaccine research, kind of your area of expertise, what are some of the key pieces of advice you would give them as they start their journey? Um, I think what I've noticed is that, yes, having the best marks helps and, and all of that, um, doing well helps. But I, I think if you're approachable, if you're um, easy to get along with, if 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 you're the professors in the university, if they start to know who you are because you're the person asking questions, um, you show up, you work hard, I still think that goes an awfully long way. Because uh, uh, when it comes right down to it, if you if I mean I get two or three uh, emails a day from people asking to to join the lab, but I don't know them, right? But if mm -hmm. if somehow that person would stand out, help themselves stand out, or um, go to the way to try to meet me, or have this one on one connection with people, I think it uh, it goes a very long way in in all the different stages of the career. I think. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for listening to Ag Annex Talks, the podcast brought to you by the agricultural brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Ag Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts, or visit agannex.com to catch up on all our other episodes.